Welcome to Zero Downtime, the new podcast brought to you by DCD's editorial team in partnership with Vertiv, the world's leading critical infrastructure provider. Hello, everybody. We finally reached double digits. Welcome to episode 10 of DCD Zero Downtime. In this episode, DCD Global Editor Peter George chats with Alex Cruz Farmer of Cisco Thousand Eyes, who's taking an objective look at the IT user experience post-pandemic. The pandemic changed a lot. Aside from the weight gain and social ineptitude it left in its wake, for a lot of us, working from home became the norm. And apart from being able to work in your pyjamas, something I've definitely never done, when it comes to IT, home working has changed the end user experience exponentially. And although most of us were no doubt delighted to be out of the office, a lot of companies just weren't ready for a change on this scale, with many just wigging it. And the tools that were designed to help us collaborate were often pushed way beyond their capabilities. But with remote working seemingly here to stay, there is certainly room for improvement, and Alex is here to tell us how. But before we get stuck in, a word from our sponsors at Vertiv. Vertiv has kept the world's leading businesses connected for more than 50 years. We build, deliver, and support critical infrastructure that's available, sustainable, and future-ready. Visit us at vertiv.com and see what we can do for you. Hello. On the podcast this week, we have Alex Cruz Farmer, who's a senior product manager for user experience monitoring at Cisco Thousand Eyes. We're going to be talking about how the uh, the pandemic and how working from home has changed people's experience and um, what technology can do to help with that. So, um, Alex, tell us a bit about your job and what you're doing at Thousand Eyes. Yeah, thanks, Peter. So, um, so yeah, Thousand Eyes. I'm a Group PM for end user experience. My my real focus um, is is trying to get in front of as many customers as I can to really understand the types of problems and the issues that they run into on a day to day basis. Um, really, you know, I, when we're focusing on end user end user experience, you know, I'm really trying to look and understand and get into the shoes of IT operations and support teams, trying to understand those problems that they're facing, um, but also working all the way up to their exec levels as well, just to really understand their challenges um, that they're also facing. So, you know, from the things that we get from our customers and from what we learn, we essentially will, will take that and we'll, we'll look at interesting innovations and interesting ways that we can help them alleviate some of these challenges um, and then bring those bring those um, capabilities to market. Um, so really, you know, focusing our, our efforts really on speaking with as many customers as we can. OK, and um, <laughs> these days, those conversations, a lot more of them are happening over um, uh... <laughs> Uh, over video conferencing than would previously have been the case. So let's talk about the pandemic a bit. I mean, it's accelerated digitization. It's been unprecedented. All those kind of words are said about it. I mean, um, it really has changed things for us. We're both sitting in our front rooms or bedrooms doing this. Um, and uh, that's been the case for millions of other people around the world. Um, what 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 has give us some uh, idea of the ways ways maybe some statistics about uh, the ways in which um, the pandemic has changed working experience? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think all of us would have really felt the pain of, of having to move to working from home. I think a lot of us were super excited. They were like, great, I don't have a commute anymore. Um, but actually, as we sort of started settling into that world of, of working from home, um, things became a lot more challenging and a lot more difficult. Um, and I think that really one of the things that we we really learned and a lot of our 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 sort of colleagues really felt is that some of these sort of challenges of, of not really being in the office, not being able to necessarily collaborate one-to-one -one, um, as they used to or in a group setting with, you know, all around a whiteboard. Um, and most importantly, and I think that's sort of one of the one of the reasons we're here today is that there were so many new IT issues that, that cropped up. Um, yeah, I read a, an interesting stat the other day that, you know, 32% of, of people, um, you know, have, have considered, you know, leaving their jobs or have left their jobs um, purely on the basis that their IT, um, you know, requirements or needs weren't really met. Um, and those types of um, figures that, that you hear about are astonishing um, because, you know, finding people and retaining people is very, very challenging for organizations. And it's costly to, to fill that um, fill that seat again with a new and new employee. Um, so I think that that's that's been really, really interesting to, to see and, and trying to help our customers navigate. Mm, yeah, I mean, we're only talking to hear about the. Um people in the kind of jobs which can be digitized, the kind of jobs where, you know, you don't have to, you have to sort of um, bandage someone or hand them a cup of coffee or anything like that. It's stuff that can be done um, virtually, um, which is a, is a big proportion of work. And within that proportion, um, much more of it is being done at home. You know, employees, number of employers working remotely has gone up from 17% to 32%. Um, yeah, and like you say, it's been a mixed experience. Um, yeah, from things issues like during the pandemic when you didn't have time to get a proper work, uh, home office experience, so your laptop might have been up to it, your screen might have been up to it, and you might even have um, been having to do your work sitting on the end of your bed. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the one of the interesting conversations that I had with um, with a vehicle manufacturer based it here in Europe. Um, was how they were helping, um, you know, move their um, engineers who are who are not necessarily IT technical, but they're sort of design engineers, they're mechanical engineers, and moving them into a position where they were able to do their job in a in a remote fashion. So not only did they have the challenge of you know, trying to get them to upskill on on how to use this sort of IT-based technology um, and the collaboration-based technologies that they were essentially being forced to use. Um, but they also had to learn how they could collaborate their designs um, and collaborate ideas with with their colleagues over this sort of virtual forum, um, which they, they really didn't ever need to do before. Mm. Yeah, I have a, I guess I have a sort of a minority view of this being a, a journalist who are kind of generally cantankerous loners. Um, you know, I think probably the rest of the company is delighted that we're all working from home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but yeah, I mean, for, for things where there's much more of a team element, people are suddenly starting to rely on tools that, you know, they had a user base before. But I mean, if there was an outage of Zoom uh, before the end, before two years ago, two and a half years ago, uh, no one would have heard about it. And then there was a period um, when every single time that um, platform had a bit of a wobble, um, it was a major news story. And that, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. the, the, that's the kind of user experience issue that you've been focusing on. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think one of the one of the big things that we we heard and learned about um, very very quickly as everybody moved to working from home was that the amount of last mile challenges um, just grew and grew and grew. Um, and this sort of what we call a thousand life is sort of branch of one, um, where instead of going from an environment of having, you know, 10 or 20 different premise, um, premises where people would work, you've gone to thousands and thousands of basically offices of just one one single person. Um, and with those come a lot of different complexities because we're not only in sort of this branch of one, but we're also in almost a shared office um, with other businesses because you know my partner works from from home. She she sort of sits downstairs and and I sit upstairs in the house and you know we're we're doing our work. Um, but e- each of us have different um, you know different technologies that we use. You know here I'm 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 a Cisco shop. I'm using WebEx um, and I'm using um, you know. Microsoft Outlook and all those kind of technologies and her organization is using a very, very different set of technology. Um, so the type of issues that each of us get, um, get quite interesting. One of the things that we did see and, and there's been a real challenge for, for IT um, has been that all of us have and rely on Wi-Fi. Um, to basically do our jobs. Uh, None of us or very, very few of us are hardwired. And the challenge when we're working from home is that not many of us um, would be sitting in that environment or, you know, sitting in a a room that we don't really spend much time in. So, for example, I'm sitting in a spare room now. Um, This room, you know, I I would never have imagined that I'd be spending hours and hours a day in this room ever. If you told me that, I would have probably bet you a million pounds that I wasn't going to be sitting in this room for eight hours a day. Um, And the interesting thing is, is that most people will design and build their sort of Wi-Fi based on, you know, where they are in, you know, their common areas, their living room, their their kitchen, you know, all those common areas, you know, the the main bedroom. Um, So a lot of people really ran into a number of challenges around being able to have a solid Wi-Fi connection. Um, and, and all of these problems just, you know, they start unraveling as you go through. And that was a real challenge for IT because IT don't have any visibility into the technologies that you have within your home. And we're all unique. We all have our own technologies. It could be, you know, BT provide it one, in, in one instance. It could be that we have a, um, you know, you, you could have bought an off the shelf solution, um, but they're all generally consumer grade. Mm. Yes, that's right. And, 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 and the, um, the stuff you're using at home is shared with your personal life to a much greater extent. And as you say, other people in the same building. So yes, I mean, my, my, yes, I might, the, 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 there are three people in my house that could be potentially be doing uh, very different web conferences on very different platforms at the same time. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, I've, I've upgraded my um, Wi-Fi to a sort of power over Ethernet system that distributes hard wire, hard Ethernet to wherever you want it. Um, but um, not everybody can do that. And people that do that and need support from IT are going to have cause a lot cause a lot cause a lot more trouble, aren't they? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, if you consider that your wireless access points and and your and your wireless setup at home um, probably gives you enough settings for you to be a little bit dangerous so you know maybe configure it configure the ssid that the name of your wi-fi and set some ip addressing up and that kind of thing but when there becomes a problem when there becomes like a, a situation where you know wi-fi isn't working the way it should be the diagnostic capabilities of those devices are not really there anymore you know those enterprise grade solutions that we would all have in our office 
you know, we can't like go in and, and see the signal quality exactly of a user and, and look at that play by play across a, um, a you know a, a timeline of a different event. Um, all of that visibility is is gone when we start working from home and using that consumer grade technology. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and sort of the applications like I mean, I guess the 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 conferencing applications we're using maybe don't have the instrumentation built in them. That they weren't designed to be used in that. They're designed to be distributed, obviously, but they weren't designed to be used um, with so many connections going out onto consumer grade um, uh, hardware and internet. Yeah. So what, one of the one of the really cool things that WebEx does when you when you open the application um, is that it actually will connect to a number of different data centers um, around the world. And when you open the app you know, there's that short pause and you're kind of thinking, oh, okay, it's, maybe it's being a bit slow. But actually when it's checking all of those different data centers, it's making sure that when you connect to that meeting, you are having the best experience possible at the time you open the application. And, and what challenge is created um, is that because it's going to pick, I don't know, let's say for me today, I, I connect to um, a London data center for, for the meeting I had this morning, but maybe this afternoon, maybe my provider is having an issue, or maybe there's a backbone challenge between my provider and a tier one provider. Um, and I'm rooted over to maybe Amsterdam or, or maybe um, maybe over to a, to a different data center um, in the world. It's very, very difficult for someone to know and predict which IP address or host name they need to be creating testing to, to understand the telemetry and the end-to-end visibility between them. So our new capability automated session testing as part of the endpoint agent is that we will detect when you join a meeting, we will then um, allow you know, WebEx teams and Zoom to do all their checks that they, that they need to. And then once you establish a meeting and you've joined that meeting, we will dynamically create synthetic testing to the endpoints that you're connecting to. So your IT team can see exactly the IP addresses and host names that you're connecting to for that meeting. So you can get clear end-to-end visibility into that complete digital supply chain. So if there is an issue that crops up, whether it's your Wi-Fi, whether it's a local issue with your maybe your local gateway, or it's a third-party provider somewhere in the middle, we can give your IT team exact visibility into where across that digital supply chain the issue actually is. Okay, now that sounds like a great um, feature. Um, are you able? Are you going to be able to um, provide that same sort of uh, capability across um, multiple uh, platforms? I mean, it, it, or, or do you just? Is, is it going to be? Is WebEx going to be um, prefer- preferred? Yeah, that's a really um, that's a really good question. One of the things that we really pride ourselves at Thousand Eyes is to make sure that we're able to provide solutions um, that can suit all of our customers across the board. Um, so obviously, we we are going to provide um, integrations and, and make sure we have a, a really solid um, Cisco and Cisco story. Um, but obviously, not all of our customers will, will be using um, Cisco WebEx. Um, so some of our customers are, are using things like Microsoft Zoom and Teams. Um, so out of the gate, we, we do support um, Microsoft um, WebEx, uh, sorry, Cisco WebEx, Microsoft Teams and, and Zoom for automated session testing. Um, but we're not just going to stop there. We will expand our, our horizons into more applications as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds good. I mean, you, uh, you're a 
you're, you're working for Cisco, and so you're you're the, the, um, amongst the sort of the, the technological differentiators between these things. Um, you know, some of these app platforms do have a more um, sort of a reputation for more sort of corporate strength to them. So we, you know, we, we'll let users dis, dis, decide and discover that for themselves. Um, is, are there concerns about um, privacy in all this? Because you're talking about um, looking in some detail to what um, your end users are sort of seeing. I mean, is there a potential this, could, this kind of ability could be misused by employers? I mean, I think from from our perspective, um, we we do provide a lot of power into what what you can gather from um, from a user's device. Um, but we're really looking at the network telemetry, the the sort of IP addresses that you're connect, uh, connecting to. We do, of course, have a have a browser extension which gives you visibility into SaaS based applications as well. Um, but we've given um, a lot of really really solid controls and role based access controls to make sure that our customers and IT teams are configuring. Um, things to really focus on just the IT, um, uh, the, the sort of business critical applications that need to be focused on. Um, in addition to that, um, you know, a majority of our customers, almost all of our customers are deploying Thousand Eyes Endpoint Agent on um, on corporate devices. Um, so, you know, th there's already enough telemetry on there to, to give visibility into, you know, the activity that a user is doing. Um, and Thousand Eyes doesn't even come close to, um, to, to providing that level of, of um, visibility into, into users' actions or activity. We're really focused on what is the network telemetry? What is the user experience? Um, and are, is there any problem or degradation in there that we can help solve? Okay, yeah. So sort of applications that monitor user activity are kind of like a, a parallel development. You're talking about how good the quality of, um, of, what, hap of what happens is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. And um, where, where do you see this uh, um, working from home going in the future? I mean, I, I quite like the, the, the phrase work in progress has kind of cropped up in that um, we really weren't expecting to move this quickly into working from home. So we've been kind of cobbling together things that were weren't either you know weren't intended for this kind of use or weren't um, fully ready for this kind of rollout in companies that certainly weren't prepared for it. Um, and uh, so, so, you know, how's it all gonna settle down and sort of, you know, are we gonna see a, a major sort of shift into this just becoming completely um, expected of the new, what, what's, what's coming down the line? I think every organization is is taking their own approach. I mean, Cisco have, have, have taken a, a really great approach, which is, you know, being hybrid first, um, you know, really focusing on giving giving flexibility and the and the ability to the employees to work wherever they feel comfortable. Um, I mean, I know for me, um, you know, I've got a I've got a young daughter who's who's two years old and um it's great to have the opportunity to see her um, you know, throughout the day. Um so um but on the flip side, there are going to be situations where um the collaboration app and all the tooling that, that Cisco have provided to us um, are not necessarily going to give me the, the sort of best um, best way to say collaborate with maybe my design team around a whiteboard. Um, you know, we're never going to get that ability to do that. Um, and I, you know, you hear stories about, or oh, maybe virtual reality and that kind of thing. The VR headsets may get us there one day. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see where that goes. But in terms of in terms of organizations being ready and the readiness overall, um, I think I think 
the, the the tech industry as a whole have really done a good job in making sure that organizations have the right tooling um, and, and they've really really invested quite well in the right areas um you know we we, we sat today on a on a, on a quick um, pre-meeting and and that was very very seamless for us to join um you know we were able to do all the collaboration that we needed to we were able to do text chat and, and, and screen sharing whatever we needed to um so majority of the things that we need are definitely there and I think with that big shift to things like um, zero trust um, and sort of, you know, single sign on all these great technologies, we're now in a situation where um, we're not always reliant on a, on a VPN to do our day to day work. So we're not really impacted um, as much by um, some of these overlay networks that could cause, um, cause some challenges. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's probably worth mentioning that we we've haven't actually um, used WebEx in the process of doing this. We've used multiple other collaboration tools. So, you know, the, 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 these things do seem to be something that's just there that you can pick up which bits you want to use, which bits you need to use, depending on who you who you need to talk to and how. Um, Mm. And so, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm also kind of uh, somewhat, I'm, I'm, ple- we, I, I'm happy to, to leave it to other people to push the line that we're all going to move into the metaverse and that will make it all work perfectly. I think, um, you know, wh- wh- where you are at the moment is certainly focused in a much more practical way on making things work better with uh, the tools we're using at the moment. And um, we'll leave the metaverse to happen if, it, if it's going to. Yeah. I think mm. I think it's a I think it's a very very good way to to uh, very diplomatic way to put it, um, but I and, and I think I think that um, you know most critically um, you know for IT teams um, you know they 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 have done a phenomenal job with the, with the resources that they have had available, um, but we've still got a long way to go. Um, you know there, there's still um, there's still a lot of work that um, you know we as we as tech um, tech organisations as as well as IT teams um, we've all got to mature. Um, you know if you imagine that the run books that we all you know used and were static and had for like ten years that never really needed to be um, to, you know to change very much. Um, you know now those essentially had to be thrown out the window. Um, and a majority of our IT teams have now had to shift from being that sort of traditional real core IT um, uh, kind of team and, and really working on technical issues. Um, IT teams are now spending a lot of time on vendor management because they're, you know, they've now moving to this, these sort of SaaS um, architectures um, and they don't necessarily have the control and the visibility into those platforms that they that they used to have. Um, so, you know, back in the day, I remember, you know, when I started my career, it was all about, you know, private data centers. And, you know, you had, um, you know, you controlled that end-to-end connection and, you know, MPLS and all these amazing technologies that, you know, I, I used to love all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's very easy to break. It always kept, kept, uh, kept things uh, exciting. But now we're in a world where, um, you know, we're using a, a cloud-based um, solution to to sort of record this this podcast today. Um, now, you know, it, it would be quite interesting and challenging, you know, if we had a problem with this application, um, how we would diagnose what that problem was. And that's one of the things that Thousand Eyes is really bringing to the table to try and help identify some of these challenges. Um, so, for example, 
if I was to, you know, pop open um, the Thousand Hours Endpoint Agent and and, and add, um, you know, the, the, the podcasting application to our sort of allowed list of monitored applications, um, I would be able to see, um, you know, my digital supply chain end to end. I'd be able to see whether, you know, if there were any problems, whether it would be a localized one or whether it would be a remote one. Um, and, and that's kind of the, the, the cool thing that we really bring to IT because it gives them this visibility that they've never had before. They don't have to log into a user's device and, you know, open up command line or, or terminal or whatever it is and start punching in commands. Um, so they can help help solve IT issues um, in, a, in an async way. And in some respects, we're really trying to help IT teams shift to being more proactive than reactive with some of these issues um, because we want to use the data that we have rather than things like sentiment analysis, which is a really lagging indicator to really truly understand how well a user is mm. able to do their work. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah basically to sort of to, to spot that they're starting to get a um a a poor experience before they notice themselves or before it's sufficiently bad for them to, to actually consciously register that it's bad yeah i mean look i'll be i'll be brutally honest here i am it's worst nightmare um i am <laughs> i am the type of user who will have a problem multiple times and get really frustrated with it because i'm usually quite busy and i'm kind of in between things um but i will um i will only kind of contact it at the last minute when i'm super frustrated and that's kind of almost the worst position to be in so if there was a way um, and, and, you know, it's what I talk to our engineering and product teams about is, you know, think about me being, you know, the worst person that IT could ever have. It's like I've got all these problems and I let them all fester in the background until I'm really mad. Oh, yeah. um, and, and, and the other bit is you've got just about you've got enough knowledge to to fix it yourself, maybe, or to make it much worse. You're kind of, you know, you've got enough knowledge <laughs> to be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly and and you know so we so we're, we're building you know we're building the product in in you know multiple ways and also taking in users like me who are it's worst nightmare to make sure that we can help help solve some of these issues and um, because i truly believe that it teams today um do that do really want to be a proactive team but are forced to be reactive and um, so if we can start using things like the data that we collect we can sort of use some you know really cool algorithms to try and sort of identify things like root cause um of, of issues and um, i really think we can kind of try, try and shift those it teams to more of like an sre style model um where they're spending you know half the time being reactive but the other half of it you know really working to to make um those issues more of a a, a sort of a you know an automated solution to them mm -hmm. yes actually i'm not too sure what sre is uh, oh so site reliability engineering right okay so, so carry on yeah, so, so Google came up with this really interesting concept of site reliability engineering where um, they found that a lot of their teams uh, in their operational teams were doing the same work over and over and over again. Um, and the concept overall in a, in a simplistic way, um, as, I, as I sort of explain it in layman's terms, is if you're doing the same job over and over again, then actually you should try and automate that job as best you can. Um, because, you know, why, yes. you know why, why do it over and over again? So you know, one of the things we're doing at Thousand Eyes is, is trying to look at how can we take the data that we've got, help identify and, and you know, quantify some of these issues um, and then help our customers automate the resolution of those issues in future. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're going to be going on an interesting journey um, with, with our IT teams uh, in the future. Mm, yeah, good. And you're making me think we probably should have um, opened up the, 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 the podcasting app so, so you could have been giving us a live report on the way as to how it's actually working for us. 
but maybe yes. that would have been adding too many moving parts to the idea of recording a podcast. Yeah, yeah, I think the idea of a podcast is we listen, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, good. Well, I've, I've enjoyed the conversation. Is there anything else you've, you've, you, you're, you're busting to tell us? I mean, do you have any sort of super um, niggles that you'd really like to fix in your lifetime or any sort of great triumphs that you've achieved in, uh, in user experience management? And I guess which of those you go for will tell us what kind of a person you are. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think I think really for me, um, you know, just just hearing how we've really helped IT teams get control of of you know their ecosystem um, has been kind of quite the rewarding thing. Um, you know, knowing that they're able to, you know, you know, if you if you think IT teams spend a lot of their time going back and forth with tickets and in an in an ad hoc way, and these could span over days and days. And we're helping our customers get those days and days down to hours, if not minutes, if not even seconds with the type of data and the visualizations that we're able to provide through Thousand Eyes. Um, it's those types of wins that really, really make it exciting and, and you know make us really want to keep innovating and getting that mean time to identification, mean time to resolution um, down to as fast as possible. Um, so you know, I, I want to be in a position where you know, a, a very, very entry level IT engineer can rock up to a thousand eyes dashboard and be able to see exactly what the problem is within about 15 seconds and be able to give an indication to the end user on how they could potentially solve it. Or in, you know, maybe, maybe long, long way down in the future, they just, you know, click a magical button and it automatically solves itself. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I mean, technologically speaking, uh, it doesn't have, what's the worst thing about working remotely? It doesn't have to be something that Thousand Eyes can fix. In fact, what's the worst, you know, what's the worst thing? Um, I, I think, I think the worst thing is that my, uh, my wife forgets that I actually have a job. So I get lots of chores. Uh, so I think, uh, I, I think that's probably the, uh, the, the worst one is that, um, yeah, yeah. I still, got, still I, I do a lot more housework than I think I did before I uh, worked in an office. That's for sure. And right. I mean, we, you, that might not be the the downside that you think it is. Yeah, no, maybe not, maybe not. But, um, but no, I think I think ultimately, I think I think the one thing that we all probably feel is that we generally end up working longer hours um, because we mm -hmm. don't have that commute, we don't have that downtime, um, and yes. I think it is very very important that we focus on on uh, on ourselves and that mental health side. Yes, I guess. And that that could potentially be automated if you had a system that simply refused to open another um, collaboration window if you've done this more than a certain amount of hours, sort of, you know, a sort of black box in the desktop for you that will say, stop it, you've done enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I definitely need that, especially when I'm sitting on the sofa in the evening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay well brilliant thank you alex it's been lovely talking to you and um we'll keep in touch with what you're doing and uh thanks again for joining us great thanks peter thanks for that pete and absolutely concur with alex there in the sense that my family seem to be of the opinion i don't have a job despite my working more hours than a lot of them put together and i do seem to spend inordinate amounts of time cleaning but i'd rather be cleaning than commuting so swings and roundabouts Anyway, as always, if you've got any questions, comments, feedback, or just fancy getting in touch, you can reach us on zero downtime at dates at dynamics.com. Once again, thanks for listening and thank you to Verta for their continued support. Bye for now. Sustainability is no longer a nice to have, it's a priority. Vertive Power, cooling and IT management solutions for critical infrastructure are designed to reduce the use of energy, water, and space. 
From innovative liquid cooling to dynamic grid services, we work hand-in-hand -hand with customers to enable them to meet their data center sustainability goals. Visit us at Vertiv.com and see what we can do for you. Thanks for listening to the Zero Downtime Podcast. Brought to you in partnership with Vertiv, the world's leading critical digital infrastructure provider. Don't forget to like this podcast and subscribe to our channel.